0: Hello and welcome to Fast Charge. I am your host Dom, joined this week just by the regular two, Lewis and Toddy. No one else wanted to join us today, so I'm afraid you're stuck with just us three. (laughs) Uh, That is not to say anything about the quality of the show, of course. It has been a slightly quiet week in tech. I'm not going to lie, not a huge number of announcements, Uh, but we are going to talk about the launch of the Vivo V21 and V21 5G, which I'm actually quite excited about, to be perfectly honest. Um, And then I am going to give my review of the Poco X3 Pro, which I've been testing for the last week. And then Lewis is going to run through his thoughts on the Moto G100 which is that sort of slightly strange high-powered G-series phone that was known as the Edge S in China and has a desktop dock in the West, and it's all a bit weird. Um, So yeah, it's a bit of a mid-range special this week. Before that, here are the other little bits and pieces that have come up this week. Uh, If you've been following tech stuff over the last 24 hours or so, you have seen a deluge of, uh, quarterly earnings reports from pretty much every tech company out there, it is that time of year. Uh, I think the one that caught my eye the most kind of inevitably was apples, uh, which is kind of at the extreme end of a trend. Um, this Q2 is basically the one year on from the beginning of the pandemic last year, which obviously had a very immediate crunch. On people's tech buying habits so the sort of previous year quarter was quite bad which means everyone is posting fantastic year-on-year growth um, which is slightly misleading Um, that said Apple's is really impressive Uh, iPhone revenue up 65% Mac revenue up 70% iPad revenue up 78% and overall they brought in about 90 billion dollars in revenue over a three-month period which is a fifty-four percent growth year-on-year. Okay. Year. Uh, that is monstrous. Um, whoever would have thought that a you know global sort of global pandemic and near economic collapse might dent Apple's fortunes as a luxury tech company? Apparently, they were completely wrong.
1: Actually, I got sent an email earlier saying that uh, with with these new results and stuff, that Apple actually earns seventeen thousand dollars every ten seconds. God, <laughs> that's terrifying Painful. That is that
0: is <laughs> crazy <awful. nice>. Um <laughs> Wow. Yeah. Uh, that said, they are not the only company that posted good numbers yeah. this quarter. Uh, Qualcomm has also had a great quarter. I spotted Samsung with some very good numbers as well. Uh, we've also seen some numbers. I saw some numbers today on shipping figures for the last quarter. Um, Samsung is top of the global rankings in terms of number of phones shipped. Uh, Apple second and Xiaomi third. So, this is not just an Apple's done well, everyone else sucks, but generally, there's been a really big recovery, I think, in tech sales over the past three months, having been definitely uh, sunken a little bit for a lot of 2020. So, for those of us following the industry, at least, that's kind of encouraging to see. Uh, other more specific little bits and pieces if you have been holding out for the Xiaomi Black Shot 4, I have good news you can pre order one right now and it will go on sale from May 6th. Uh, this is just the 4, not the 4 Pro. Uh, I don't know if the 4 Pro is actually getting a global launch at this point or not. It looks like maybe it's just gonna be the regular 4, but yep, that's a the Xiaomi gaming phone starts from $500, 500 euros or 429 pounds. We haven't had a chance to play with one yet, but hopefully there's a sign that we'll be able to get one to review pretty soon and can give it a go and let you know what we think too. Uh, what else? Amazon uh, unleashed a slew of new tablets. They are these sort of updated Fire tablets. I think there was an updated HD 10 and there was some kids ones. These are the standard Amazon model. There's nothing too crazy that's gone on here. They're just spec bumps and refreshes for another set of very affordable Android tablets that still run a kind of boxed in limited version of Android with lots of Amazon logos thrown in everywhere. Uh, that kind of tie you into Amazon's software options as much as they possibly can. Uh, but still, these are all tremendously good value. And honestly, if you're in the Android tablet space, I'm still kind of like, you might as well just buy an Amazon Fire because you'll pay a lot more for anything else and they're all rubbish anyway. Uh- <laughs> <laughs> Uh, one of the few people still making android tablets of course is samsung but they have also unveiled a set of new laptops that was at their galaxy unpacked event the other day Uh, we did mention this on the show a couple weeks ago that there was going to be a galaxy unpacked this week but we did warn it was probably going to be mostly laptops it turned out to be entirely laptops Uh, there was a galaxy book a galaxy book (laughs) pro a galaxy book pro 360 and then a galaxy book odyssey which is a gaming laptop. This isn't actually Samsung's first gaming laptop. I've seen a few people sort of excited that Samsung was entering the gaming hardware space. They have made gaming laptops before, but they kind of put out like one every year or two and don't really seem to put their heart into it. Uh, I'm curious to see if this is gonna stick a little bit better. They had the Odyssey monitors last year that looked really cool, some big curve gaming monitors. Um, this 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 laptop announcement also involved it accidentally or maybe intentionally revealing a new NVIDIA graphics card that hadn't been announced as well. It was yep. all a bit odd. Um, the other Galaxy Book laptops are even stranger in a way. The two with a Pro name are actually cheaper than any Galaxy Books we've had before. Um, and the new non-Pro is then comfortably cheaper than anything we had before. So this is Samsung kind of bringing its pricing down in the laptop space while simultaneously slapping a Pro name on the kind of what now sit in the mid-tier of its laptop offerings. Uh, good luck turning on trying to make sense of a Samsung laptop purchase anytime soon. And one final <laughs> little note: uh, beautiful timing. Uh, having talked about the Mate X2 last week, and I've long since seen it leave my possession, uh, but. Video has popped up of the latest version of Harmony OS running on a Mate X2. So if you're curious to see what Huawei's next OS is going to look like, it is out there. It's on YouTube. Just give it a search. Uh, You know, do it after you've watched or listened to this. Please have a little bit of respect for us and our art. (laughs)
2: TLDR, it's it's Android with uh, the BlackBerry OS widgets where you flick up on an icon. That's all I could really see. that was Honestly, trying the to network. spot the difference
0: between this and just EMUI running on Android is uh, you've really got to squint to uh, spot what's changed. Yeah. <laughs> but we kind of knew that would be the case. But still, uh, Harmony OS is there. It does have some slightly different widgets. So, you know, go widgets. Clearly, we're all regressing 10 years of following Apple's lead because Vivo did it with uh, their last OS and now Huawei two with Harmony. So it's, it's widget central, everyone. Uh, I almost gave myself a perfect accidental segue into talking about Vivo, and then I fumbled it. But there we go. Uh, Vivo (laughs) has launched a phone. They actually launched a couple phones this week. Uh, Briefly, they also on Monday announced that the IQ7 and IQ7 Legend are getting global releases. Those are two gaming phones. Um, Then on the next day, they announced the V21 series also getting a global release. It's worth caveating... Global release may end up meaning Asia. Um, Vivo has launched in Europe, not in the US, and no plans for the US anytime too soon. It has launched in Europe, but they're still a bit cagey about which phones are coming to Europe and when. Uh, For example, the X60 phones we've already spoken about on the show, they have promised they are coming to Europe, but there is no actual sign of them in Europe yet, and no release date, and no (laughs) pricing. Just Vivo's word that those are coming to Europe. We haven't even gotten that for the iq 7 and the Vivo V21, they just say it's a global release, so that may mean Europe. I think this may end up meaning China and India and like Malaysia. That may be what global means in this case. Anyway, V21 and V21 5G. These are the follow-ups to last year's Vivo V20. And the hook essentially is similar to what the hook was last time, which is really good selfies. Um, and this is interesting because I think we have it's come up on the show before that we kind of bemoaned the fact that there aren't many phones that really throw a lot of camera chops onto the front-facing camera. Um, and I think I mentioned the V20 as an exception. And what the, the hook the V20 had was essentially just high megapixel count. It was a... a 44 megapixel camera in last year's v20 um and i know all the usual caveats about megapixels are not everything there's all sorts of other factors that go in but still they threw sort of a high high resolution sensor onto the v20 last year and actually it did give up pretty great results this year we once again have a 44 megapixel sensor i'm going to caveat by saying i don't have detail specs so i don't know if it's the same as last year um it's the same resolution but this time they have managed to throw optical image stabilization onto that front facing lens, which I am pretty sure is a first. Um Yeah,
2: I can't think of anything. I don't know why this hasn't happened sooner, to be honest, uh, especially from the Chinese manufacturers like Oppo loved bigging up. Uh, it, when it was first really breaking outside of China, Oppo loved bigging up the selfie game of its cameras. I think it even had at least one phone where the, the rear camera flip round to the front which is something we can touch on later as well um but yeah i, I don't know why we haven't really seen this sooner like that i was trying to think of phones in the run-up to this episode that have made any effort to really hype their selfie snapper credentials like over say mm-hmm. their their rear snappers um and the i think htc desire I, because it had kind of the same sensor on the front and the back yep. was a good one and i think one i mentioned recently was like uh the sony xperia ultra i think it was called or something it was they're really big it was like a six inch but 16 by 9 display six point something inch so it was huge for the time when it came out and it had a a good front camera um with like extra video chops for the front camera that you didn't get on the back or something like that but yeah just not many companies really shout about the selfie game all that much i can think of
0: no it's and that's especially odd given how much more prominent that's been in the way so many people use phones over the last few years and Obviously, Instagram Absolutely. and then more recently TikTok and, and, and Snapchat and, and all, all that. Fueled by the front yeah, camera. The, really. I think there must be, uh, especially as a generational thing, a huge number of people who, for whom the front-facing camera is, is used way more than the rear camera. And I remain yeah. surprised that for so many phones, the front-facing camera is just junk. And honestly often a thing that mm. manufacturers are trying to hide more than anything else. They're trying to reduce the space, okay. reduce like how visible it is, all of that. While on the back we're getting bigger and bigger cameras, taking up more and more space because they recognize that that's the only way to get better results. Um it, it is worth saying one of the, you know, if you see it this way, one of the compromises of the V21's design is it's a teardrop central notch. Um even though this is a kind of mid-range phone, and I would say that's maybe a design choice that at this point you only really find in in very budget devices, we'd expect kind of a punch hole now in a mid-range phone. How much that really matters? I if, if
2: if yeah, if the front camera quality is pushing the envelope, then I would be okay with taking the notch. Like for me, that sacrifice totally. is fine if it means that the camera quality is going to be better. But
1: is it yeah (laughs) that's why i put up with the notch on the iphone is because you've got face id and you've got everything else that comes with it so you kind of make allowances for it don't you
2: well, in terms of companies shouting about the front cameras, the only thing I ever remember Apple shouting about since they've introduced Touch ID has been like how good Snapchat filters map to <laughs> yeah. your face because it can use oh, yeah the hardware of the Face ID sensor to do that. To be fair, they are
1: right. <laughs> they are right, for sure. Well, like, you're like, wow, how are you doing
2: Especially <laughs> when I think it was the same year the Galaxy S9 came out and they had their own, was it AR emojis? Yeah. Oh, yeah.
0: Or whatever they're called. Yeah.
2: But the face tracking was odd, like RGB camera only and it was absolutely Just awful.
0: Miserable, totally Miserable.
1: Diabolical. An emoji, emoji is still so fascinating to me on the iPhone side. I just yeah. you know I don't send them to anyone ever, but I'll often be saying the eye <laughs> Yeah. <laughs> how how are you doing
2: this? <laughs> Actually in Xiaomi has done that. We haven't seen anything from Vivo with that. This would be the phone to introduce something like that from Vivo.
0: Totally. Yeah. Um the- oh, yeah, I don't know if they have their own custom uh, animated emoji thing. I've not seen anything from them. They've not pushed it in any way, but who knows? Yeah. Um but Yeah, so, I mean, as Tony said, we haven't, we haven't tried this, so who knows? Maybe this is rubbish. But um, I think Vivo's camera chops was the quietly among the best out there. Um, I, I, they just don't really have enough of a Western presence to get the coverage as much. But, you know, I spoke about the X60 Pro and Pro Plus on the show recently. I think both of those cameras were absolutely phenomenal um, among the best around. And I reviewed the V20 last year and, and did think the selfie the selfie side of it was great. Um, this should improve that OIS means in theory better detail and crisper shots in general it means better stabilized video obviously and this shoots a uh, 4k video from the front facing camera which isn't unique but is still kind of unusual actually I think most phones can yeah. tap out at HD even pretty good phones um, so you're getting 4k video I will have to see if the stabilization works with the 4k that's not necessarily guaranteed but we'll see um and stabilization should mean better night mode for that camera too hopefully
2: i mean i think just positioning a phone like this in the mid-range rather making it a flagship feature is a great shot too just for vivo trying to differentiate itself right now um especially in the markets it's not been in for very long like in europe So, yeah, I think it's got potential absolutely to do well if they can market it. It also makes
0: sense because, again, I kind of alluded to it's a little bit of a generational thing, maybe how much you care about the selfie camera. And as we've always seen, the brands aiming for a younger audience tend to skew lower in price like Honor did as it's, you know, pivot from Huawei. Because there is that sense of if if you're trying to go for, you know, 21 year olds or university students or teenagers, they are probably not going to have the same disposable income to drop on Uh, top-end flagship phone so this makes a lot of sense
1: Mm.
0: Uh, it's worth running through some of the other stuff the phone has because it's not all about that selfie camera you're still getting what looks like it's going to be a pretty solid rear camera Uh, it's a triple rear camera setup main lens is 64 megapixels Um, I don't have the specs for the other two what you were getting on the v20 last year was a 13 megapixel ultra wide I think and then a two-time zoom so I'm guessing this is going to be pretty much the mm. same setup as that. Yeah, OAS yep. again as well on that. OAS on that real lens. Um, the display is a 90 hertz AMOLED. That's a bit of a bump from last year where it was just 60 hertz, but still 90 hertz rather than 120. Um, and then you get 33 watt wired charging. There's no wireless. Um, but Vivo doesn't have a single wireless charging phone yet, so that is no surprise. Right. Yeah, really weird. They Even their, their top-end stuff, mm. they haven't yet jumped to wireless, which I'm still kind of waiting for them.
2: Are they also a company that doesn't readily do IP ratings in their phones yet?
0: Yeah, I, that you think I'm not of. sure. They don't seem to it do a lot It seems to of IP. be a,
2: a Western markets. Like I feel like the, lots of the Chinese manufacturers came yeah. later to adding IP stuff to their phones, like the Western markets where they went in. There was just always a higher kind of expectation. I don't know if demand was the right word, but like an expectation Well, we spoke about,
0: it. I think, the Mi 11 Ultra was, is the first IP68 sure. Xiaomi phone, which sounds absurd yeah. when you one think Plus about was, it. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> was it
2: the OnePlus 7 or the 8 Pro was the first one to f- officially have IP certification as well?
0: That I was think, quite late. I think the, the 7 Pro, I think they've had, t- yeah, I'm, I, yeah I'm, not, I'm not positive it might have be been the 8 Pro. I might be getting myself modeled up yeah a while back though um and then the other thing to say is that this is also a pretty nice looking phone to be honest it's got a very familiar vivo design language so if you if you saw when i was talking about the x60s before you're going to recognize the kind of two-tone stepped camera module and the slightly frosted glass back finish Um, but what i like the look of this is that it's 7.3 millimeters thin which is very thin. Uh, that's actually slightly, that's 0.1 millimeter or technically 0.11 millimeter thinner than last year's V20. Uh, and I loved the V20 oh. because, partly because it was so thin because it just, you know, I think that makes a big difference to me in usability of a phone, uh, especially with a larger display. And th- Vivo nailed it last time around and this looks like the same but better to me.
2: Can you remember, was the V20 glass-backed it was or glass. plastic-backed for a mid-range yeah. Right, okay, cool. So this should probably this be looks. Blasting. I mean,
0: in all honesty, this looks very similar to the V20. Design-wise, yeah. barely anything's changed. Um, the display's gone up from 60 hertz to 90 hertz. I think it was AMOLED last time. The rear camera setup is almost exactly the same from what I can tell. The resolution on the selfie camera is the same. You know, off the top of my head, the bumps are essentially... Um, The chipset has changed, uh, which means there's a 5G option. I did say there's a V21 and a V21 5G. They are identical except for the 5G support. Um, So there's a 5G option. There's 90 hertz and there's that OIS on the front-facing camera. Those are basically the main changes from last year. So they haven't really pushed the boat out in terms of the upgrade, but I loved the V20. And when Vivo announced their European launch, I, I was asking them if the V20 was coming because that was the phone I was like, Come on, push this one, guys. This can do well if you get the price right. This is a great-looking phone. It's really slick, and you can get it at an affordable price point. And they, the V twenty never came out uh, in 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 the West. I think it had uh, it was outside of China, but I think it was in a lot of Asian markets, and and maybe some of Eastern Europe. But it never made it through to Western Europe. But I am rooting for the V twenty one.
2: Just looking, we don't have any sort of indication on pricing, do we? Uh,
0: they didn't tell me pricing ahead of launch. I actually have been meaning to check because it has. I, there was um, the Indian pricing was announced today or yesterday, so there is some pricing mm. out there at least for India as a point of reference. Um, but they didn't tell me that ahead of the launch. So off the top of my head, I don't know what the pricing is. Um, last year's V20 was yeah decidedly mid-range. I think it converted to to four hundred pounds or something like that. So that's the kind of space I would expect this to be in um but yeah i think I think this is essentially the solution if if you really care about selfie camera performance in the Android space but don't want to go for one of those sort of phones taking uh, sort of like a weirder approach to solving that problem um because essentially the only the only other people we've seen put effort into selfie photography are people doing it by using the rear camera to do so. Uh, we've already mentioned the Mi 11 Ultra, but that has that little display on the back so that you can use that main rear camera for selfies if you uh, so desire. Um, We've had the Zenfone 6 and Zenfone 7 from Asus, which have a whole flipping rear camera module that I know Lewis is very fond of. Uh, Zenfone is my favorite phone. (laughs) <laughs> we know the Zenfone 8 series is on the way absolutely. soon. Uh, they've announced a May 12th launch, I think. Um, though we've also equally seen some leaks that show uh, a Zenfone 8 with no flipping camera module, so uh, it's a little unclear whether they have ditched the, the flip. Pain. The pain, I know, I'm it would be being... absolutely <laughs> tragic. Um, but yeah, so that's like the other approach is just to kind of say, hey, what are what are the weird ways we can let you use these massive rear cameras for your selfies, but. Whenever I'm reviewing a phone like that and I show it to, you know, normal, non-tech industry people, they always just think it looks weird <laughs> and they don't understand it and they just don't want it. <laughs> I think, you know, I, I love that kind of stuff. But whenever I show it to friends, they're just like, "What? no, I, I just want to use the normal selfie camera, please. And I just want that to be good. Um, I feel like this will be more popular.
2: So this is gr- this is great in terms of people who know about that as a standout feature because they'll go like, they'll yeah. se- seek it out and for people who don't care they're just going to get a good selfie regardless yep, and be like exactly. oh great <laughs> um i just looked the uh, indian pricing for the 5g model starts at 299990 rupees which works out to about 290 pounds yeah. so i reckon obviously it'd be a little bit more expensive if it came over here but that's a solid mid-range price point it's it's yeah middle yeah, to low exactly I guess.
0: so i think yeah if, if the conversions are never that simple sadly so it would probably be more like mm. 400 euros for the european market or yeah. something like that um so yeah i'm keeping my fingers crossed like i said Vivo has said nothing concrete about which markets it intends to launch this in beyond global um and global really just means outside china um for their <laughs> purposes. So we shall see. Uh, like I said, we're still waiting on the X60 series. They announced those in China at the end of December. They announced them globally last month and we still don't have a release date or price for Europe. So <laughs> despite Vivo's promise of a big European presence, it is slightly dragging its feet about actually doing it. But uh, we'll see. Uh, I guess let's move on to a company that has been much more aggressive in its European presence. Uh Xiaomi who have very successfully replicated their uh, Chinese and Indian market approach of throw phones out every week. Uh, and they've managed to pivot <laughs> that bad. phone-like cannon towards Western Europe uh, and, and fire a new a new Poco or, or Redmi device out at us, probably averaging once every five days or something, if you count all the different versions of a handset. <laughs> Um, I did see uh, Ben Sin, um, who writes for XDA Developers, tweeted the other day that he was trying to put together a specifically Xiaomi buying guide and knew that he had to like file it and get it in because within a week, it would be out of date. Like you know, There would be a new phone out <laughs> w- within seven days of hitting publish that would invalidate the whole guide. That's rough. Uh, but I have been testing the Poco X3 Pro. That is the kind of half-step follow-up to 2020's Poco X3 NFC. There was also a regular Poco X3 um, that was India only. but uh, I tested the NFC model, which was the European release, and I've been testing the Pro. The X3 NFC, actually, we gave it our award for the best budget phone of 2020. It sat on top yeah, of our budget amazing. phone chart for a very long time. In fact, I think it might still be at the top of our budget phone chart. <laughs> I think it um, might still be
2: up there. There hasn't really been anything that's come close enough. Well, no, there's stuff that's come close, but the yeah. collective effect of all of the hardware that the Xiaomi put into that.
0: We came very to close to recommending the Realme 7 above it, but it couldn't quite pip it. Uh, so we'll see if the Realme 8 has what it takes. Um, but, Not yeah, home home, but, I mean, <laughs> based on what I've seen of the 8, it's, it's kind of up against it because the X3 Pro is a Poco X3 NFC with a better processor. For the same price. And I, I just, it was already, it, if there's anything that counts against it, it's almost just a kind of like, it's overkill. They've doubled down on the thing they're already strong at <laughs> rather than fixing <laughs> things the phone was weak at. And it, it has weaknesses, it has flaws. And they, they've kind of just accepted those flaws with this version and said, like, this is going to be more polarizing than that one. It is even more just kind of saying, here's a cheap phone. It's still, still number, number one, one, by the way. <laughs> this is a cheap yeah, phone. It's nice. £200 in the UK, uh, 199 uh, mm-hmm. You are getting the Snapdragon 860, which this was actually the phone that they announced the 860 with. Uh, if you're not familiar, that is essentially an overclocked version of the 855, which was the sort of two generations ago top tier flagship. Yeah. Um, and the thing is, the way Qualcomm's model works is that it's brought features from that flagship series down to its mid-range series more slowly than you might expect um, based on what you're used to seeing in sort of the rest of the phone space and how how fast mid-range stuff advances. So this essentially being a two-year-old flagship chip is still comfortably faster than most mid-range chips on the market. I mean the performance jump from this versus the X3 NFC is enormous. If you like, I looked at my benchmark results and I was like, okay, fine, you know, kind of like one and a half times the performance or something like that, without any price change. That was a s- Snapdragon 732, 732 yeah, seven three two G, which I believe also
2: debuted on the X3. Yeah, NG I also think X3 that was that
0: X3. was the first phone to debut that chip. So, <laughs> Poco, Poco and Qualcomm are, you know, they're tight apparently clearly. And I can see why, because you know, (laughs) at the end of the day, Pockridge is pitching this as a, it's a processor showcase you know, it's a phone where the pitch is your budget's relatively limited relatively tight, and what you care about is performance. Whether that's cause you're interested in gaming, or you want future-proofing, or you just really, really hate how slow a lot of cheap phones are, this is the phone that it will not lag, it will run like a flagship, fundamentally Uh, it just doesn't quite look and feel like one.
2: As, as you know, buying some flagships and as buying an iPhone or a Pixel phone kind of showcase, like there's always, you know, it, most people don't really think about it, but there's so much more life in a lot of these mm. devices. Um, and this is a perfect showcase of the fact that, you know, ultimately that is an 855 yeah. chip with a higher clock. Like that's, that's all it is. Uh, and that is a two year old chip at this point. Two and a it's half. A bit older. Yeah. From like announcement um,
0: date. Yeah. yeah.
2: Sure. Right. It just goes to show, like, really, as long as there's software support, and that's really what this is, is, like, newer software yep. tailored to this hardware, these devices could last so much longer. It, it's ironic that Xiaomi is the company that's kind of showcasing this tech, considering it's the company that loves to just <laughs> issue
0: out new phones. Like- yeah, Exactly. Now, we don't do updates, we do new phones. <laughs> yeah,
2: that, that updates no. are just a new device. <laughs>
0: um, and that, that, to be fair, is worth saying of the weaknesses, at least from my opinion, that is one of the weaknesses of this phone, is I, I don't love yeah. Xiaomi software. Uh, MIUI remains relatively low down the list of Android skins for me. Um, I, Does Poco still differentiate its UI from MIUI at all, or is it just no, it's, the same it's, now?
2: Because when they first launched, they had
0: slight differences. Maybe there were tiny things. I don't think so. I think if you dive in, it just calls itself MIUI. Um, Yeah, it just says it's running MIUI. Uh, Nothing different. Oh, MIUI version brackets for Poco. Uh, I I haven't noticed anything in it that's different from what I was using on the uh, Xiaomi Mi 11 a few weeks ago. Um, But maybe there are little subtle tweaks that I've missed. But it's fundamentally the same. And I I find Mm. it clunky, like even during setup, I, I've now tested a, a Xiaomi phone once every month or so for the positive past while, and even so in setting this phone up I hit a point where I was trying to find some setting and I just sat going in and out of bits of the setting menu like is it here no is it here no is it here I'll use the search bar and try and find it No, whatever like obvious search term I thought I'd use didn't bring it up. Okay, back to going down the list. Is it in this section? No. It turns out it was in one of the sections I'd gone in first, but it was in a subsection with a weird name that didn't make sense. (laughs) And You know, it's just that I find there's a lot of that, and I don't get that with any other mainstream Android skin anymore. I feel like they're all much cleaner to navigate, or maybe they just make more sense to me, you know, to what I expect the names of features to be. And things like that.
2: I mean, just this is only observation based on, you know, uh, for instance, like even just like a lot of the mobile manufacturers websites, how differently mm. they're designed between the Chinese version and the global versions or other markets. It's so wildly different. And there's obviously something in, in the, I guess, the culture. It's but based on the culture of how they interpret information and presentation that has led to the way that, you know, the skins that, you know, we criticized Huawei back in the day and and, and Oppo's, you know, launcher yep. as well. Uh, and they've tweaked the global versions and, you know, you know, talking about Vivo basically skinning their phones with near stock uh, in international versions. Um, it's, it's fascinating to see how the cultural differences can lead to these UI and, and interaction differences totally. as well. Um,
0: and yeah, I know we said it before, that is one of the reasons I'm so frustrated Vivo is taking its time over the European launch because that's one of the choices they made was for Europe. They do, they do stock Android pretty much and it was one of the best choices they could have made and it could position them really, really well on the market if they just got the bloody phones out um <laughs> anyway the poco um the, the other issue i have really other than the software is is the design and the the size i had to ask um, yeah it is says it say POCO, poco on the back yes and <laughs> um, this this design if you, if you if you are looking on the youtube feed is functionally the same as the x3 nfc they've slightly tweaked the color options for this so it's a new set of colors uh well i've you know the one i've got here is a slightly kind of dark blue with some bronzish tints where it's the sort of flagship color of the nfc it was a very bright blue um so slightly different colors on screen otherwise that uh, mm-hmm. the design is the same it is the same chassis it's the same measurements it's got poco on the back big letters it's got the same the camera module specs wise has changed slightly but visually it's it's the exact same camera model design they've just slightly bumped around uh, what lenses they've put in it Um, so it's a big phone it's a 6.67 inch display i was gonna say that looked
2: big just in your hands i didn't know what screen size it was but yeah it's big
0: it's wide the whole phone is pretty thick and heavy um it's it's a chunky device and that is my only that's honestly my biggest hesitation with it i think me you are you'll get used to but i think if you don't want a big phone don't buy this phone um, because it is big, and more than just the screen size, everything about it feels feels kind of hefty.
2: Does it mean big battery? If it's big, yeah, ba- big phone, battery. Big to be big fair, battery?
0: is is solid. It's uh, just over five thousand milliamp hours, which again oh, is the exact okay. same as the X three NFC. Um, bit smaller than the n- regular X three, the India version because that was six thousand. But um, <laughs> Mad. yeah, this is a five thousand and a bit. Uh, its battery life is is great. Um, you you will get definitely a day. I I can't imagine what kind of heavy use you'd have to be doing to kill this thing within a day. Um, and I think, honestly, if I've hit, been hitting two days. I'm a relatively light user at the moment. If nothing else, I'm inside most of the time. So I'm just on Wi-Fi. There's not a lot of hunting for signal, that kind of thing. <laughs> but um, yeah, I, I, very solid battery life, which again, given the pitch is partly gaming phone, I think that makes sense because... That is one of the use cases where you will kill the battery fast if you want to be. Oh
1: yeah.
2: So no complaints on performance then, presumably if it is gaming. Yeah, no, well.
0: super smooth, super fast. Like I said, it is just slightly old flagship performance. Um, as with before, because it's the a two year old chip they're reusing, that means it's four G only. Um. So again, at two hundred pounds, that is not really a surprise, especially given the performance you're getting otherwise. But again, this is a phone for. If you don't care about 5G and you would rather have performance over that, um, so you are getting 4G um, rather than 5G. Oh, and the other thing to mention, because it's not in the name anymore, it does still have NFC, even though they took that out of the name. <laughs> <laughs> I was going to ask at the end. <laughs> yeah, they kept NFC and they just didn't feel the need to uh, crow about it quite so much. Um, and the display at say as well is nice. It's 120 hertz. Um, it's an LCD, not an OLED. So again, that makes sense. That's what you would expect given the price point and the refresh rate It's that kind of compromise you hit. And again, that speaks to who it's aimed for in that gaming sense. This is kind of recognizing that maybe the color accuracy and the contrast will drop a little bit by going with LCD, but you're going to be able to hit that high refresh rate uh, without making it too expensive, which means if you are playing games where you can hit that high refresh rate and get the frame rate out of the device, you know, it, it is capable of delivering it on the screen.
2: Nice. So is it? what's the availability? Uh,
0: It is out now, at least in the UK. Um, I think it's had a pretty wide release. It's been out in India. I believe it's out in most of Europe. Um, This was the phone they announced alongside the F3, which is a bit pricier. That's more mid range. We have one of those on the way. Um, That's with our photographer right now. So I think at some point, hopefully one of us will get to review that and in a week or two, maybe we'll have an F3 to talk about on the show as well. Because that's in a way, I think... Something people have been more excited about because that's a bit more new, whereas this really is a souped-up X3 NFC. Um, but yeah, the X3 NFC was fantastic. This is better in pretty much every respect. Um, the one the one thing that is a downgrade is that the camera has dropped from 64 megapixels to 48 megapixels. But,
2: but it could be a yeah, I, I, it's, it's got a larger <laughs> yeah.
0: aperture. Um, and it is a slightly different sensor, so right. there's there's yeah. a trade off. I haven't really sat down and properly dug into my camera samples to really assess them, but I've been pretty happy with what I've been taking out of the device and what's been going on on Instagram and that sort of thing. It's not a camera phone. It's not a phone people are buying for the camera, but it's solid uh, for where it's at. It does have the benefit that obviously so much camera stuff is actually processor driven anyway, so having that high powered chipset does give it an edge against some other budget devices that make out more impressive camera specs, potentially. But um, this actually has a lot more algorithmic brute force to it, I suppose.
2: I guess the ultimate question then is, do you think it's got what it takes? Obviously, we haven't assessed it fully yet, but to knock off the x 3 NFC from the from the list, if it's hitting the same price point yeah. and it's better in no I most mean, other I mean, I, at the
0: moment, that's absolutely where I'm sitting. Unless I sit down and really... You know, dig into my side-by-side camera shots and say, oh, wait, no, like they screwed it up. These look awful, which from my glance at them, I, I don't think it's the case at all. There's at this point, no reason not to buy this over the NFC, other than the fact that the NFC is probably now a bit cheaper because it's the older model. Um, this looks phenomenal. I think the real question as before is just where your priorities lie. You know, if you're looking for a phone around this price, do you want like brute force? is that is that fundamentally what you're looking for is is sheer performance per pound your main priority or are you a bit more concerned about you know how it looks and feels and having something that feels more premium than it really is because i think this is a phone people will look at and go oh yeah it's a cheap phone you know it doesn't look like it's anything more than a cheap phone it looks like what it is but you know once it's actually running it's it's a beast yeah i'm i'm enjoying it i think uh this is probably the budget phone to beat this year, but I kind of knew that going in. Um, Lewis, <laughs> you have been playing around with something quite different, actually, um, with some odd similarities, though, um, which I wasn't <laughs> expecting. So Lewis has been reviewing the Moto G100, which is a kind of weird phone for Motorola in a few ways. Uh, for one thing, in case you've forgotten, this is the phone that they released in China as the Edge S, for some reason uh yeah. not really clear why because it doesn't have the curved screen that the original edge did and we're still ex- it's problematic yeah. either <laughs> way <laughs> whether it's
2: an edge phone or a moto g it's series phone it's problematic because yeah. it doesn't make <laughs> yeah. sense to so
0: either. It, it was launched in china as an edge but it doesn't really feel like an edge and in fact we're getting more edge funds this year rumor has it so that that's going to look even weirder when that's set it's completed i, <laughs> I imagine um In the West, it's the Moto G100, and there it's this just, not expensive, but by Moto G standards, high-powered and and high-priced, because it's mid-range, and the G-series has always been Moto's budget line. And this really just feels like them repositioning, they did kind of restructure their naming convention for the G-series a little bit. Um, so now it's kind of G10, G20. Actually, then the G20 got announced this week. There's been a, a G50, G60. They're, they're, they're doing yeah. a Xiaomi. They're announcing one a week. And it's been impossible to keep up with which ones have officially mm-hmm. been announced and which ones are rumoured. Uh,
2: I feel like this undoes the whole principle of redoing the name convention I know, right? again. <laughs> like, it kind of makes sense, but it also definitely <laughs> does.
0: So anyway, this is the Moto G100. It has a Snapdragon 8 series processor so just like the POCO we just talked about this is another phone that is kind of punches above its weight in respect to its chipset yeah. um, and the other weird twist to it is a dock that lets it run like a desktop PC yeah
2: <laughs> so yeah <laughs> which you clearly are very excited about Lewis.
1: yeah <laughs> it's, got, it's, it's it's ready for that's what it's called it's which I just want to say for, I so hate another bad name, name. Um, <laughs>
0: thank you a terrible name, terrible, another terrible name. <laughs> yeah
1: I hate it, <laughs> um, but terrible naming aside, I like the idea. I'm not going to knock sure. the core principle because even though we're all sat at home in a moment, it might seem a little bit pointless. When people do travel, and you're looking, you know, you go and sit in a hotel room, you go sit in Airbnb, and there's just, you know, you're, if you're especially if you're in another country and there's no English TV, you're bored for hours on end. You just sat on your phone. But if you've got this little docking system, you can. Put, it's essentially it's a wired dock you plug into your TV any, or a monitor you know any any TV screen or, or PC monitor or anything like that um, and it takes all your Android apps off your phone and everything and puts it into a kind of Windows 10 esque mm. desktop mode on the screen. Um, you can then add uh, you can you can connect a Bluetooth control uh, Bluetooth keyboard and mouse uh, if you want like a full desktop experience. You can connect a Bluetooth controller if you want to play some Android games on the big screen. And uh, after Toddy prompted me. I tested out some cloud gaming stuff on there as well, and that does also work. So if you want the cloud gaming experience, you know, on the go, that's there. And you've got 5G connectivity as well. So streaming shouldn't be a problem if you do have a 5G mm. contract. Um, but will people ditch their laptops anytime soon? No, <laughs> obviously not. Because they are still Android apps at their core. They're about mm. as capable as they are on your phone. So, you know, you're not going to get Photoshop. On there, for example, Uh, you're going to get like the basic mobile version of Microsoft Word. These are good, you know, if you need, if you want to blow something off on the big screen quickly. But yeah, I'm I'm not going to get rid of my laptop, just wander around my G100 and the (laughs) dots. It's it's in the same way I've
0: already slagged off Android tablets once today. But, you know, Android tablets never felt like they were good enough to uh, work on. And this is, uh, there are other reasons for that, but this is kind of in the same space. You're, You're making the screen bigger, but that doesn't change the fundamental limitations of Android as a platform for, for no. productivity and it doesn't get around the stuff that you know apple has done it for all its faults and we spoke about that uh last week you know it has done a better job of turning ipads into a productivity place than android oh, yeah. has ever done
1: and Samsung... i think the only thing that will really annoy people is the fact that you can't buy it without the dock in the uk mm-hmm. um there is one okay. single version of it in the uk and it comes with the dock bundled so if you were thinking that you that want to save, you know, save a little bit of money, if you want to save some money and get it a little bit cheaper, if you're not going to use the dock, you don't have that option. Now you've got the 450 and, and uh, 450 pounds and, that, and that's it. That, that is a
0: varied by market, right? Because I think in some countries it's the other way around. The dock is just an optional yes. extra and you yeah. buy the phone and then choose if you want to. Yeah. Yeah.
2: So long as yeah. is, is it, is it's not an careless. LG V50 scenario, I think it was, or one of the LG phones, they sold the phone for the same equivalent price mm. like the same kind of full price in the us and the uk and in the us i think you had to also fork out extra for the dual screen whereas that came as part of the deal for the same price i mean uh, obviously you're paying the premium of the uk versus the us but still that was a surprising kind of different uh, difference between yeah, the markets sure. so yeah um, um i mean it charges of... the
1: phone to the dock as well um it doesn't powered ah no. No. what it Connects straight to well, it, not that I found anyway, it just connects straight to the uh to your, to your TV, so your TV HDMI is not going to power, it doesn't provide oh. power, does it? So, and is yeah, it no no USB C on the phone, it's via so yeah, you've got a little like, USB C port on the on the dock, oh, right. your phone sits on that, and then there's a, That's a huge issue. Out, USB <laughs> to HDMI on the back, so yeah, it doesn't charge at the same time, so you've only got the but i mean it does have a 5000 milliamp hour battery so it is a pretty Does big it battery.
0: turn off the phone's display while it's hooked up? You can
1: uh turn off the display um but if you don't have a keyboard and a mouse you use it as a trackpad.
0: Uh cool. Right. You use the screen as a trackpad. And that's to scenario. From a battery perspective that. that would solve that a little bit if the yeah. display is not firing that's such oh, a yeah. huge part of the battery drain so
2: I haven't used Samsung's DeX in a while, but this sounds a bit more like Huawei's implementation of a desktop mode then, because they had the same kind of trackpad. Mm. The phone is the trackpad and keyboard, if you don't have a trackpad and keyboard to hand or a mouse and keyboard
1: to hand. But this is uh, wired only, as well, I should say. Because I think DeX is wireless, isn't it? And I think Huawei might be as well. Huawei is handy Um, wireless, yeah. Yeah, but this is is wired only. I mean, that kind of makes sense. You're Looking at the big range. Yeah, again, it's surprising, right? mm, Because
0: they've both, Samsung and Huawei, have kept their implementations pretty pretty much to the flagship stuff as far as I'm aware, they yeah. Samsung at least anybody really crows about decks when it's launching an S series or a Note. Um so there's yeah, there's definitely a space for this for people looking to spend four to five hundred on a phone and have that kind of setup. I do wonder whether you'd just buy a year old Galaxy flagship though for the same price, right? Yeah. yeah. Uh, or
2: if point. I was gonna ask if, if you're not precious about ready for specifically is there still value in buying this or is it too much money gone into the ready for experience and there's other phones for the same money that do more for less or more for the same
1: i mean i think if anything ready more has forced Motorola to put more into this to make sure it runs (laughs) properly right Uh, so you've got (laughs) so you've got like you've got the snapdragon 870 uh, which is is, yeah that's just the whisker away from the top end 888 really isn't it um and um you've got i mean in general you've got eight gig and 12 gig SKUs, uh but eight gig only in the uk Mm -hmm. 128 or 256 gig of storage which isn't too bad um but you know and you've got a a a nine hertz refresh rate on the i think it's 6.7 inch display yeah big boy Mm -hmm. um and you know all that kind of rolled together means that in my opinion it's a it's an undercover gaming phone right (laughs) you know i'm getting good you know in in the benchmarks it, it didn't beat any of the gaming phones but it was fairly close to the red magic six and a lot of the graphics performance um benchmarks and you know you gain up to a you gain up to 90 frames per second on it you've got a 5000 milliamp hour battery wi-fi six and all this other cool kind of high speed stuff so yeah i mean if you want a game phone about buying a you mm. know a big garish game of with all the rgbs and stuff like that and you don't want to also buy a flagship i think this is you know this is
0: a solid it does sit funnily enough in a kind of similar space to the poco that we were just talking about Where they're both kind of hefty, they're both thick, neither of them are like the best looking phones around, but they both actually pack a lot of punch um, and performance for the price they're hitting. And I found that especially interesting with this one, because that is not where I would have put Motorola over the last few years, and and how it's positioned its phones and priced them in general, if anything, I'd say has... The sort of, as, as Oppo and, and Realme and Xiaomi have pushed into that budget mid-range market that used to be Moto's like, core territory, um, it's always been because mm-hmm. they're willing to throw faster specs in for the same price. Um, I, I'll admit yeah. I haven't dug too deeply into the rest of the recent G line or all the, all the new announcements, but if they're anything like this in terms of the spec per price, uh, that's, that's a good thing. You know, this, this looks competitive to me. Yeah, no, for sure.
1: Yeah. i think the
2: only uh, area that oh god just gonna say that the g10 from our reviews uh, that samrata did i think it was it was decidedly meh um she'd also okay. just done the g9 power and the g9 just before that and they were probably better oh, buys so the the first move into okay. the, the double digits wasn't the most um
0: mm-hmm. powerful <laughs>
2: entrance uh into this kind of shift in their naming convention i think the g50 was better because the cameras the main difference was mm. the cameras were better uh, we don't have a G20 yet, but we'll try and get one and see if that's an improvement still. But yeah, sorry, Lewis, what were you going
1: to say? Yeah, no, uh, I was going to say if, if there's any one area that does let this down, it's probably mm. these bad boys yep. on the rear. Wait, no, <laughs> oh, really? <laughs> yeah, the cameras. Because <laughs> if you look closely, that is a quad yep. camera setup. Mm. You see four lenses there, but it's yeah. not four lenses. Oh, no. You've got a yeah. You've got a main sixty-four megapixel. Uh, to be fair, it's an aperture of f one point uh, seven, so you know fairly decent in low That's light, uh, especially for the you know the kind of four hundred fifty pound price point. Um, and then you've got a one hundred seventeen degree sixteen megapixel ultra wide. Um, those two are fine. And then at the bottom two, pointless. You've got a two megapixel depth sensor and a time of flight sensor, which in my mind basically do the same yeah. thing. Isn't that the same thing? <laughs> yeah, one is just like they an are. RGB version of the other. Mm,
0: yep.
1: <laughs> so it is. That's it's weird. only. It's it's an exercise in getting as many cameras on the back as you can. There's there's literally no point to. to is it just to
2: have a, a design language, like an identifiable design language? Because like that looks I mean, like the I... Moto G five G Plus to me.
1: Yeah. I mean, Ad there's lives. a bit of that there, but also, if you notice, if you can look really carefully, there's one that doesn't even have a ring, like the coloured ring around it. So like, they couldn't <laughs> even be bothered to finish it off. They are the like, well, Whatever. I'm just, I'm just with that. Like, it's, it's a joke. Weird.
0: <laughs>
2: weird to have a depth and a and a toff. That doesn't make any sense. It's so weird. Yeah, I couldn't. You'd think around, they'd at least make but, one um, of them
0: a terrible I mean, macro camera. You know.
1: Yeah. Exactly. Yeah, you've got the <laughs> macro setting still, but it uses the um the ultra wide, I think. Um, and obviously, you,
0: right. you, as with all
1: phones at this price point, you avoid that. Whenever you get, the, whenever it prompts, ignore it. It's terrible. um But I mean, yes. Don't get me wrong. It's not a terrible camera. You know, the, the main camera does have potential. Uh, so you've got decent low light photography, and even in well lit conditions, it, you know, it, it's it's you know the detail and stuff like that. My problem is that the um the post processing can sometimes be a little bit aggressive on some of the photos. Mm. Um, especially when there's a lot of detail. So if you're taking pictures of trees in a distance, that kind of all that that detail in a small place will kind of, it just gets aggressively noisy in some photos. Um, But as long as you're not a a proper camera stop and you're not looking for a phone for the camera, I think these will do you well. It's just that if you have any interest in photography whatsoever, you'll probably be frustrated after a while. That's
0: again, that at least is business as usual for Motorola. I'd say I'd say every yeah, Motorola I've okay. reviewed in the last few years has been underwhelming on the camera side. I'd never recommend yeah, one. Sure. And, and that's even, you know, considering no, the price, you, you know, if they're in the budget space, cameras always going to disappoint a little bit, but even for the price, Moto feels to punch sure. below its weight on camera.
2: Mm-hmm. Yeah. I mean, one of the things that, you know, I would recommend a Motorola for is, yes. is user experience because, you know, similarly to, I guess, the Vivo phones in Europe and Nokia, like they, they go for that slim down near yes. stock, Take with a few moto actions like the karate chop, I presume, is all present and correct. No, oh, yeah, the karate yeah. chop, of course. Yeah, so for those who don't know, you can like karate chop your phone and the flashlight turns on, or you can double <laughs> twist up the camera. Day, watches, which really? is, oh, I have hey, there we look go. At that. Also, that flash looks pretty good. Is that like a dual LED, dual tone flash? It is a dual LED like, flash
1: on the, And why am I showing you <laughs> with it on? Not on that the
2: radio. phone, like most people don't <laughs> yeah, really care about the flash, flash other than a torch, but still nice to know it's there. Yeah, it's very bright.
1: I feel um, like a wizard and, want to do that now. <laughs> yeah, that's novel go.
2: and fun. Like that's a nice playful part of the Motorola <laughs> yeah. experience. My question was going to be more about because the Android user experience is known for being pleasant and approachable and easy to understand. Does that mm-hmm. translate across to Ready4? I should have mm-hmm. asked that earlier. Really, but d- does Ready4 feel easy to use or intuitive to use, or is it is it a bit more convoluted yeah. because it's a new form factor I- for their user experience?
1: Yeah, I was going to, I was, I mean, for the first 30 seconds, I was a bit like, hang on, what's going on here? Because when you first put it in the dock, you have yeah. to select whether you want basically a desktop mode or you want a specific game launcher mode, mm. um, if you want to view mm. media. So it'll give you different UIs for whatever. But if you go on the main desktop mode, you can access the rest of it there anyway. Uh, so if you tap the desktop mode, it'll come up in a full, it looks honestly so very similar to Windows 10 um, okay. with all your icons in the bottom right and you've got a little menu, bottom, menu bar on the left and you've got all your apps on the desktop and... Uh, but you, yeah, you browse all your all your Android apps so open in Windows, uh, you can full screen them if you want. It's literally, it's if you've used Windows, you'll be able to work your way around Ready for so easily. Cool. cool. Yeah, and, and also, yeah, I just want to say, I uh, guess, it's, it's near stock Android 11, it's so clean. Um, you've got motor Actions app. I think there is another... Um, that isn't usually on there saying that, if I remember correctly. It's something to do with Motorola Notifications. What I've seen recently is
2: Moto Audio, which is like their kind of EQ settings and stuff, which I hadn't seen on some of the older Moto Actions app entries. Ooh, is it, no, we, is don't. That we don't have video? that.
1: We've got one called Motorola Notifications and... It's to, it basically signs you up to their mailing list. So I don't really understand what the point of that. <laughs> is. Would you like some free spell? I um, want that. <laughs> but you've got you've got a dedicated <laughs> app to sign up to it. Uh, but yeah, those are the only two that I, I've noticed on here. Um, so yeah, you know that is pro- that is definitely one of the big selling points against uh, kind of a lot of the, the Chinese competition is because yeah we don't have the, the we don't have the UI and then other really horrible <laughs> skins like that. You've got something that's stock Android essentially.
2: Yeah, I guess if you if you don't need ready for in my head it's just down to the user experience whether you get this or you get something like a gaming mm-hmm. phone like the Red Magic what 6 or, or 5G or something because mm-hmm. they're going to deliver on performance because they have the 888 yeah. for what 30 quid, 40 quid more? Uh, I think um, it's
1: 60, 60 yeah, quid more okay, same yeah, rough
2: that, that's a bit of a jump but for a the current flagship chip I don't know if that's the worst premium to pay and no, obviously yeah. then you're getting the red magic user experience which is like night and day in terms this of this is the thing
1: ease of use and yeah. clean
2: interface experience
1: as much as you might hate the look of of the g100 i feel like a lot of people will prefer it to what the to, to the red magic 6. <laughs> yeah the since you don't like the design of the phone
2: as well like where is that just this particular model or just Motorola's I mean... aesthetic right now is not I don't, with you. You
1: know, I don't mind it, but a lot of people have been picking fun of it saying it's really boring. It, the only thing I will say is that it, it's a fat boy. Um <laughs> we're looking at 207 grams and it's ooh, yeah, nine point is... seven millimetres thick. So yeah, it's definitely not. Nine point seven. Yep, it's that's a big one. That's a lot. Yeah. But you've got headphone Jack, so <laughs> <laughs> there's no risk of them cutting that out to say on the width. Um but yeah, it, it's you know, it's fine. I think the one thing I don't like is the weird finish on, on the rear because it's kind it's shiny. You've got that kind of glass shiny refractive effect, but there's a mm. matte finish on top. Uh, but the matte finish is very fingerprinty. Mm. It's not like one where it hides the fingerprints, it's just the opposite of that. And it's just every time I touch <laughs> oh, it, no. it just streaks down the back. <laughs> and I'm like, don't like that. Um but yeah, do you know, overall I do like it. I think it's a great, a great little phones for the price. Uh the ready for thing is fun. Obviously, it's early day to see if people are actually going to use it at any point. And uh, while we're all still at home most of the time, a lot of people aren't going to find the need to. But as as the world starts to open up again, I feel like there will be a place early. for it. Um, and even if you don't use Ready For, it's still you know a very powerful phone for the price. And if you don't like the look of gaming phones, but you want something to play games on, then, yeah, this also ticks that box as uh, well. So potentially a sleep I hit. just want to say
0: on the, on the sheer yeah. size front, just for comparison... The X3 Pro here is a touch thinner at 9.4. So I'm horrified that the Moto G100 is even thicker than this because this is a thick phone. <laughs> um, <laughs> yeah, but this yeah, is a little three. heavier. It's 215 grams. So it is a few grams Ooh. heavier. Um, like you said, there, the od- these are... Mm. I, di- I don't think we realize going into this episode how similar these phones are in a lot of ways. But they, they have a no, lot yeah. of um, double the, the 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 motor is double the price, but it is kind of a, a few key spec bumps up that may make it worth that for some people. With uh, and with that ready for sure. thrown in as well. But they both sit in that same space, which is if you are someone who is maybe less fussed about design language and um, less fussed about sort of the, the the size, but just wants to get serious bang for your buck. I think these both do a pretty decent job of delivering it in their own slightly different ways. Uh, I think that should just about do us for this week. So thank you, everyone. We will be back the same time next week. Uh, again, I have absolutely no idea what we're going to be talking about next week. There aren't any big launches <laughs> uh, that I'm aware of over the next seven days. So, no,
2: but no shortage of products. Yeah, we, Ruby, we still have a lot so. on the way
0: to us. <laughs> we have uh, a few of the Xiaomi's on the way. I've mentioned the Pocket three the Realme 8 and 8 5G Realme. we have on the way so we may well have some good uh, review chat ready for you next week and who knows maybe someone's going to stealth drop a phone on us in the meantime no. <laughs> uh until <laughs> then thank you everyone for all watching and all listening and uh, we'll be back next week bye bye
1: bye